sorry, I was about to say I socked him in the face. Uh, my bad. <laughs> oh, we're going to start this right now, huh? Is that what we're doing? We're going to fight? No, 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 no. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just wanted to get that one little bit in there. My bad. <laughs> Hello, Internet. <laughs> say hi, Micah. Hello, Internet. <laughs> so, this is uh, our little follow-up to all the Badlands wrestling games that we've been running. Of course, I'm Adam. And today I am joined by my illustrious hosts in alphabetical order. <laughs> this is Greg from Technical Difficulties Gaming Podcast. Hello. Hello. This is the Unbound uh, GM and podcaster Micah Gray Walker. Awesome. Awesome. And I think, I think right out the bat here, like I don't think we can talk about Badlands Wrestling first without actually talking about worldwide, uh, the Worldwide Wrestling game and then the uh, crossover that kind of led into us doing Badlands. So first off, I have no idea who originally introduced us to uh, Worldwide Wrestling. I think I heard about it from Noah. Was he the origin for you all as well or how did you all come across? I uh, Jumping ahead. Uh Honestly, I can't even remember now. I just remember it always being here. Like it was like wrestling itself. It's always been somewhere in the media. It could have been us talking about it. Maybe me seeing some of the stuff on RPX or technical difficulties. And while I was at a convention, the booth was right there and all the books and some of the PDFs were there. And just said, yeah, let me get this. Um, group me doesn't let you see and our group me's are way too big to actually scroll all the way up and actually see the oh. editing. <laughs> Lord, um, no. I want to say it might've been like we had seen it at Gen Con and one of us had purchased it there. And just in talking in like the general RPPR community chats, we found out that some of us either still actively had liked wrestling or had liked wrestling earlier in our lives and we're like, hey, this is an interesting RPG system. Would people want to try this? And enough people were like, yeah, let's give it a shot. And that's when we started uh, ICPW. I personally really, I think everything powered by Apocalypse is awesome anyway. I haven't encountered too much there that I would say is horrible. But yeah, so Worldwide Wrestling is a Powered by the Apocalypse game. What do you think is different like from like Monsters of the Week and stuff like that? What, what's the big differences you think between that or Apocalypse? Well, I think. I think one thing to really hit before we even get into that argument is how modular uh, Apocalypse Engine games can be. Mm. Because, I mean, the system allows for everything, like something super serious with Monster Hearts, to something more lighthearted, potentially, like Worldwide Wrestling, to even absurdly micro-focused games like uh, Heavy Metal Thunder Mouse, where you're doing like a cross between Greaser Gangs and Mouse and His Motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> But I think what kind of sets apart Worldwide Wrestling and what Nathan DiPoletta did with the game is how much it is a truly GM-less game. How much of the game is really built on give and take and that improvisational trust between actors, or in this case players, where you work together to establish a story. A lot of the game is really focused on maintaining or um, giving up control. A lot of the game is focused on setting stuff both in the ring, out of the ring. And the game just isn't micro-focused like something like Heavy Metal Thunder Mouse, but is also so enveloped in parts of the genre of both professional wrestling and tabletop role-playing games that it makes something that I haven't really seen a lot of other games do. Agreed. From my two cents in the game, it's, it definitely has that more openness that you might see from a fake game where it's more of the role play than it is about the mechanics of the game. And that also comes down to how the people, uh, how people play it, like with any RPG. I definitely feel that there's a strong mechanic that really uh, lets the players have more fun and be more creative. But at the same time, you've got a chance where the GM can run depending on how you guys or gals agree to set up the game, GM could run it just like any wrestling show where they have more creative influence over the main line of the game. But the players, when they're in and on the stage and in the ring, they're the ones in fully control. And from there, man, it's just, it's basically 
talking and describing a wrestling show. And we all know from being fans of wrestling, how insane those can get. I think what has struck me from even our beginning with the crossover games to working with Badlands, is just, you know, touching on what you said, this is a very collaborative issue. This is us kind of working together to build a story. Like, I mean, I know technically you can say it about any other game, but like we're actually just my character setting up moves for Greg's character to come in and do so forth and so on. I really like enjoy that particular aspect of it. It's I haven't encountered too many times that somebody's told me no. And I think, look, dude, I can't be serious to save my life anyway. I just, <laughs> I don't, I, it's just not in me. But when I'm playing Reefer, uh, that's the one I really had the most fun with. Like I, it don't matter what kind of, monkey wrench i throw it you all everybody just bounces back i mean think christian stegosaurus for example but yeah it's just it's, it's a it's a very fertile ground for every for stories to take place in and it's so much that i don't even look at the leveling up section half the time when i'm playing the game i don't know if you all have that same kind of problem when you're playing your character i just never think about it i'm just i'm so like just in the moment with it. And I'm not looking at other playbooks or I'm not looking at uh, advantages that I could get. If I put an extra stat here and there, like the numbers that actually dictate the die rows are secondary to the story that's taking place. I think that's all. I, I'm, a, I'm a force gump you out here. That's all I got to say about that. I definitely think the game when it's in the ring definitely has a major story element. Well, because it's the focus. And that's really the big key for this game is at any point in time, if not the entirety of the game, every moment is the main focus. It's not where in other RPGs, it's everyone's going and going around looking for a quest or looking for the main plot and then getting that big moment where everyone's having to deal with, you know, something, whether it be a boss, a villain, the villain of the week, as it were. Everything is right there and right then. The most important event is the match going on. And then we have, like what we do with Badlands is have background stuff, like in between, and even other wrestling events we've had on the podcasts, it's been take a breather, let everyone get the, have a minute to kind of do some stuff in the back, maybe set up future angles as well, and then get to the next match. And... There have been several times where I have just wanted to unmute myself because I mute myself and scream, Raver, what the fuck? At all. And many times I've just left myself on laughing like a madman as Reefer has run down, like you said, Christian Stego being one of the most zaniest mad things I've ever seen in a game. Like, just so the sh- people create and do is great. And you know, the sky's the limit. And that's so beautiful about it. When I had this game pitched to me, I, like, I used to, Chris and I, in the beginning of RPX, we had uh, mainly a lot of our games were kind of our old Sunday group that kind of fell apart as time went on and stuff like that. But one of those guys, Sean, not any of the Sean's that you know we deal with recently, but uh, he mentioned to me that, like, he loved it. He's listened to an AP of the, of worldwide wrestling and they were just doing insane inter- entrances. Like somebody is being uh, carted out to the ring with a, fl- by a fleet of drones or some crazy shit like that. And then they would do something else. that just kind of all, all this over the top. And then, I mean, you look at the rules and the text and all that, and things are not, you know, things are so loosey goosey that you had the freedom to do these kind of things if, you know, if it fits narratively into what you're working with. And yeah, every, it's, it's just such a great game. And I'm sorry for everything I've done to you, both of you all throughout the course of this. I, you're promise, not- I don't think about any of this shit till I sit down and I just start bouncing off of you all. No, I, I figured as much, which is great. Uh, it makes every, when you just pull off stuff like that out in game, to the people we play as, it was like, what the fuck? But outside, when we're at all us, I no, no, none of us are not laughing. We're all yep. just, it's so just batch insane, which is perfect for uh, the stuff you're doing with Reefer because it makes the most sense given that his character's background right now is the wasted and sh- insane ideas and just him doing stuff makes so much sense. I think I gotta like to switch gears on this conversation just a tad bit. <sighs> 
I'm just curious, and maybe I don't think we've ever had this conversation. You know, and so before we actually jump into Badlands Wrestling and the mm-hmm. crossover, what about Greg? Growing up, mm-hmm. what's that one wrestling moment you remember? Like, what was? Can you? Is there a defining like match or event that you saw that kind of sticks with you to this day? Let's let's all be um, over for a moment. Let's see. <laughs> well, the most defining one probably is after my dad died. Before every went pot. Um, I actually came into wrestling because after my dad passed, we I kind of grew close with this one family uh, who from my church who lived nearby, and um, I actually went to a WCW show that was Ooh. held at the Wolseen Center up in um, and I don't remember much about the actual matches. I'd have to actually look up and see if I can figure out which match it, episode it was, and with modern technology, we probably. But the thing that. I always remembered from attending that show was there was a backstage sequence where somebody was in a limousine and some heel that they had been fighting with had managed to back a sewage truck into the Wolstein Center and was supposedly dumping sewage all into the uh, open-aired skylight of the limousine. And just the kind of absurdity of that sequence. But, I mean, kind of in general growing up, just like I remember playing games on the N64. I remember being a fan of the Dancing Fools, even though Disco Inferno and Alex Wright are not the biggest and best and the brightest (laughs) in the bunch. Um, And, like, I guess to kind of connect to where we are now, especially growing up kind of in a more conservative Christian household, especially in the early to mid-aughts, like, I was never a fan of um, WWF and the Attitude Era especially being a child of that era and the upbringing I had, I wasn't, that was like a bit much. And I, we, I moved I grew apart from that friend and I could tell the writing on the wall with how bad uh, WCW was falling apart (laughs) that I just stopped watching. And um, I never really started paying attention to wrestling again until uh, the women's revolution and the new day becoming a thing. And mm. then eventually us doing worldwide wrestling has me watching wrestling. So <laughs> that's kind of the biggest moment and kind of what got me from there to here. Yeah. Awesome. How about yourself, Micah? Well, I confession and all had, have had ins and outs with wrestling for a long while. I never watched it when I was younger. I tried to, but it's just never one of my main things. Like, the first time I remember a match, God, like Greg, I'd have to look this up and try to find it. And I have tried before. I was at a, I was at my next-door neighbor's house, and they were watching, I'm not sure, I, I want to say it was also a WCW match, or a really early WWF match before, because I was in the 90s, and that I remember this, it was in the, it had to be like around 90, 95, 94. 97 i was still in elementary school and we were at them and i i recall it being for the intercontinental championship between gold dust and razor ramon i don't remember if that was actually a match because i can't seem to find it but so it's either wcw or a wf match but i distinctly recall gold dust and he's stuck in my head all these years later even to his current iteration in aew always been following Dustin Rhodes for quite a while but the big matches that's really kind of got me more focused in wrestling as of late have been the inner the non-state stuff back about maybe five years ago or so when Kenny Omega and Asuchika Okada in New Japan Pro Wrestling had their first match it was the one that broke the star rating by Dave Meltzer of the rolling the wrestling observer and it was it's hailed as the actual greatest match ever their sequence of matches up to their fourth one not that randy orton edge thing from a couple of weeks ago but that's when i sat down and just watched the match and just was amazed that for how long those guys were going how athletic they could still be how amazing of a match it was because there was never there was just enough of the, of the dull to kind of calm you down before they got back into it and then kicked it up from in the, the example that was given was they went from one to five 
in a split seconds and we're just go, go, go. And it really fueled me. And I started really looking at the products from them and started looking up so many other companies, other wrestlers, other matches, got more involved in the knowledge of the independent scenes, the independent wrestling promotions, and looked at what WWE had been doing at that time and going like, this is shit in comparison. But yeah, I want to say it was those matches that really got me engaged more and wanted to follow those guys, those individuals yeah. and wrestlers. And that was the big crux was I didn't have that. I didn't have a group of wrestlers or a wrestler that I wanted to follow and find out more of, which is why I keep up to date with other YouTubers and other programs for all my wrestling information to keep all that stuff constant. And it also helps me come up with my own plot lines for Badlands. And I don't want to try and mirror or just straight up copy them mm-hmm. as I don't want to. You, you can't not do writing nowadays, I feel like, and not have something be, oh, you, you that was this thing. It's like, oh, crap, how did I not notice that one or think about that one? Because there's just so much media out there. And it's the same with a wrestling story. There's only so much you can do that maybe or maybe they haven't done. But at the same time, it's still good story work if you do it right. And, man, some of the stories and plots you can get in a wrestling story arc are just amazing it's like well soap operas and it's great stuff so man i just gotta take a moment to make both you tell both of y'all that i feel very old listening to your talk <laughs> so <okay>. when <laughs> mike is like i was in elementary school in 1997 like like i was i'd already been suspended from school i was driving <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I've never asked you gentlemen your ages because I don't want to put that, that moniker of, well, I'm an old man. Because I use that moniker to all my young coworkers who tell me, yeah, I remember playing Halo. I was just, it was born, I was born when Halo was first launched. Oh God, I am, I am so fucking old. I'm 32 going on 33. Oh. So the I'm fandom I was talking about was probably between 90. 2000 so i'm about a year behind a year or so behind you greg so i don't feel as bad i don't want to talk i'm 40 so <laughs> let the old man take the stage here all right so yeah. on right ahead i look dude like i my i grew up in the heyday when things were really starting to kick off in wrestling and i i will full disclosure i haven't watched wrestling religiously or anything since the attitude era but mm-hmm. yeah so when i was growing up I mean, I, I'd, I'd heard about wrestling before I ever started watching wrestling because they used to, you know, in the smaller circuits, um, like they would, these big names, you find out they tore it all over the place. There's like, there's a, like a county history book for where I live that somebody put out back in like the 80s or not, early 90s or something like that. And there's pictures of Macho Man Randy Savage wrestling in an elementary school here and yep. stuff like that. And that, those, I've talked to students, uh, current students that, you know, their grandparents were around during that time. And like one of them was telling me how sad his grandfather was because his grandfather was a friend of Macho Man Randy Savage. And I'm talking like a farmer who lives in Paris, Kentucky, which is nothing like Paris, France. And, um, you know, just a salt of the earth kind of man who had his relationship with him. So the area, at least where I'm at, it was always kind of steeped in it. And my, um, like I can even hear about my remember my great grandmother talking about Rickety Steamboat Dragon, a Rickety Dragon Steamboat. I'm maybe getting that backwards, but oh, you know what I'm man. talking about. Like, just oh, yeah, follow, Rickety Dragon they, Steamboat. They they followed all that stuff. Now, when I was growing up, they had like the WWF cartoon, and then on Saturday morning, I'm wrestling. I'm like, I don't know if it was CBS or Fox or what affiliate it was. I remember the comics ads. <laughs> Sweet. That's where I started cutting my teeth on it. And of course, back in those days. I, mean, I saw that it's kind of weird to talk to about it right now because he, the Undertaker just announced his retirement. But like I had watched the original Survivor Series where the Undertaker's character was introduced and stuff like that. And he was like, you know, it was a big deal and all. But I think the things that really got me the most, by the way, you can tell I had the 80s influence because uh, I, Hillbilly Jim was the basis for Moonshiner Joe whenever I created <laughs> him. but. Just, I was always a huge fan of Jake the Snake Robert. I, I have his wrestling buddy. If I could, I could walk, and in five minutes, I could be sitting here with the cam on, showing you guys me and my, you know, 
30 plus year old uh, wrestling buddy doll that they sold. But I was a huge Shake the Snake Roberts fan. And, you know, he wrestled in what was WWF then. And uh, I think the big defining moments of things that I remember wrestling wise was like stuff that involved him, be it um, like when Earthquake killed his snake by jumping on, of course, the snake wasn't in the bag, or the infamous Randy Savage is tied up in the rope rope ring the rings of the rope <laughs> and the cobra is uh a defanged cobra is biting the macho man like those things kind of stick into it but i'll even take it one step further and say and i don't even think this was a conscious decision when i made it but even like his career like getting involved in drugs and just basically hitting rock bottom and there's I can remember like behind the scenes wrestling documentary I watched in the early two thousands where it was just Jake the Snake just basically Satan helped Vince McMahon ruin his life and uh, he was strung out and just I mean he was out getting fixed like heroin fixes and shit like that to the uh, resurrection of Jake the Snake documentary which uh, Diamond Dallas Page where you know he kicks drugs and so forth like I I think that's kind of the weird thing with me by the way reefer drug addict trying to redeem him. Like that's my kind of connection there, but I think I'm more interested at this stage in my life with the documentaries and the behind the scenes stuff, the things that I watched as a kid, you know, such as the resurrection of Jake the snake or the Mick Foley's have a nice day or things like that. That's kind of where my focus is nowadays. I got a show on, uh, I think it's like vice or something like that. Dark side you of the f- ring. Yeah. Dark side of the ring. That was going to say that. And as a quick aside too. AEW has Jake the Snake back in the ring, not wrestling, but doing promo stuff for an, for another wrestler right now. And my God, man, for someone who didn't get a chance to see him in action back in the day when he was wrestling, just him on his promo work is so good. I love his real name. His real name's Aurelian. <laughs> I think I, I may be mispronouncing it. I, yeah, I need to check out that dark side of the room. So a little um, bit of, oh, go ahead. Um, that's actually how I've gotten to know some more about wrestling history. I, I guess to kind of lead a brief aside about that, uh, it's so fascinating because like when you we were kids, really the only ways you could find out about wrestling were to have older fans who knew stuff like that or to like have some buddy who had tens of thousands of dollars worth of v- VHS tapes they'd recorded. Yeah. And kind of the democratization of the ho- of the fandom in now, like, everything gets uploaded to YouTube constantly. WWE, for as monstrous as they are, putting so much stuff up on the WWE network if you want to pay the money. Um, being able to see all the stuff that's coming from Japan and from Britain, from other nations that do a lot of wrestling work. And being able to find that online, it's really kind of revolutionized wrestling fan, I think. It's helped make it more accessible to where, much like how Adam mentioned, how certain people were following fans during the territory area era of America in wrestling, when there was no WWE, every state or little fiefdom that was made for a wrestling territory from the NWA to so many names I can't think of right now for just promotions. And everybody had their big names, their big champions. And if you watch some of the stuff about Andre the Giants, he'd go to each one of those places and he was the main draw because he was constantly a fresh thing. He never stayed long enough to become saturated and he was always on the move. And just nowadays, beforehand is what I was leading to. You'd have to find a magazine. You'd have to watch the match. You'd have to try and dig to get this information uh, as best you can, only from limited sources, like uh, little magazine articles or the friend of a friend that you know. But like you, know, you said there, Greg, now with how open information is with the internet and just chat groups and reports, there's so much of it out there that you can just, you can drown in it. And while that could be a frightening thing, it's also just so much fun to then dig so much into wrestlers and past matches and even things you might not have thought they were tied in with and like normal sports um so much of what these performers have sacrificed uh is now coming to light and now we can see it you know the work that jericho is doing through dark side of the ring to highlight 
all of the tragedies that have befallen a bunch of these wrestlers. Uh, the knowing of how Hogan destroyed journalism in the Cocker lawsuit um, and how much of that we now know about who he is as a person and things he's kind of done. The, fact that, be, the fact that McMahon is a percentage point responsible for Trump and it's above a one and I think it's under 20. <laughs> His wife is attached to his uh, one of his teams and such. She's like one of the U.S. Right, she, uh, she, she was a cabinet member. Yeah, she was a cabinet member. She was a cabinet member. Yeah, but like, I guess to kind of an over to go back to my prior point, like so many things, not necessarily that being a wrestling fan was geekdom, but like so many things in, that people are passionate about. Uh, wrestling used to be super niche, and then. Uh, in the build-up to Hogan, it be very mainstream, and then kind of as the Attitude Era was winding down, it kind of went back. But now, with the things that WWE is doing, oftentimes literally in spite of itself, like with the New Day transforming from what was ostensibly kind of a racist gimmick—no, not kind of was a racist gimmick—into something that just celebrates geekdom and black culture to the women's revolution and actually going from against sexist disgusting matches that turn me off of watching wanting to watch wrestling altogether to frankly the women's divisions probably better than the men's at times in wwe yeah let's, let's, they, they've let's, done so much to build inclusion oftentimes in spite of itself and it's helped bring up the wrestling community is so much that we have a product like worldwide wrestling where tabletop versions of it i mean you talk about the women's matches going from the divas bras and panties matches to main eventing wrestlemania and then they still can't do it right because they shelve they... sasha and bailey so freaking hard and and like that that's the thing there's so much about wrestling that can turn you off but there's so much more these days that can turn you on, whether they're being finally a true rival in AEW, access to the actual true rivals like New Japan and other talents across the planet, to being able to be a fan in other means, whether it's through YouTubers who talk about wrestling, stuff like Worldwide Wrestling, where you can make your own, uh, or even games like Fire Pro Wrestling or <laughs> 2K, I, I guess okay, we, it works. <laughs> two, 2K19 and back will give top props to 2k20 is yeah as much fun as i've wanted to buy that just for the glitch value speaking of which i need to talk to you too about some stuff i have uh, planned uh involving 2k and badlands but we'll we, we'll tease that here but we'll talk about it off, mm -hmm. off okay this. but like i i guess to kind of bring it back into tabletop a bit unlike other games that you know kind of like you were saying like you're you're trying to copy some of what you see without you know outright literally copying there's just such a wealth and breadth of stuff whether it's stuff that's actually happening right now to the history of wrestling from its foundation you know in the south in like even the 30s and 40s uh, there's just such a breadth of places you can look to to create content for a worldwide wrestling game it's uh there's a lot you can look <laughs> That's why I decided to kind of shift my own gear, shift the gears slightly there and kind of pat myself on the back a little bit. That's why I chose to have more of a territory idea to start off Badlands, because that would give us more chance to just go around. And we're, we're kind of touching on it here and there. We haven't really spread out into too much in the story as I wanted to shift it over to something else and make it a little bit more in line with what we know for today of wrestling because that's where a lot of the inspiration comes from is today if i really want if we really want to dig dig so deep into history and learn so much like the like the documentaries and such or lord almighty i can't believe i'm saying these words you listen to jim Cornette. <laughs> you, you, oh, you as, much, as much as much <laughs> or listen okay. to vince russo no, you don't, you don't listen to. to Vince Russo. You do not listen to Vince Russo. <laughs> the reason I'll say Jim Cornette is because not for his wrestling booking or anything like that, what he believes, but just his knowledge of history and events. That alone, if he just talks about that, I will gladly sit down and listen to that guy go off on wrestling history. But if he talks about 
booking or ideas and why certain people are good or bad. I don't want to listen to that. I want to just listen to this man tell me about wrestlers of the bygone age who did uh, screw jumps before Montreal and how they got away with it. And then Montreal, like stuff like that is so fascinating to me that there are events in the past that you can cite that may or may not have helped influence stories or have been inspiration for events in today's wrestling world. I think we're leading up to this. So why don't we get to our headlining event of the evening (laughs) here? So let's talk about Badlands wrestling. Now I may have the wrong impression here Mm -hmm. in my mind. I can pick the origin point. And uh, Micah, I want you and Greg, I want you all to jump in there and tell me, you know, your interpretation of when this began. So I think one of the best times I've had when we were doing the cross podcasts, what was that? ICP, uh, not ICPS. Uh, Inter-podcast uh, championship wrestling. IPCC. Which okay. the genesis of that real quick for the listeners is uh, the first time we've run worldwide wrestling. We just wanted to do it just between the fans of wrestling and like there's a few of us at tech diff but like laura and adam aren't that familiar ethan has a bare familiarity but that's about it here at rpx you know that was part of the gag in chris's episodes is that chris has no concepts yeah he, he <laughs> created noam Slomsky. <laughs> so we, we just worked together and did cross promotional episodes and just due to the nature of things it's been a while since we've been able to revisit those characters and hopefully we'll be revisiting them soon maybe sooner than you think but yeah oh yeah in the midst of that micah approached us with a concept for a campaign based play of worldwide wrestling because i inter podcast championship is pretty much kind of the original nature of worldwide wrestling it's very much a episode to episode there is like a story path going through it but it's mostly character driven rather than like a plot whereas badlands is very much more a story driven campaign it was a match that micah and ray from uh oh god insert quest here ray did a game and then me and micah joined in and did that and i got the i had a lot of fun with with Moonshiner Joe in that one, and <laughs> Moonshiner the White. <laughs> Again, I was just pulling stuff completely out of my ass, but like we had so much fun with that. And then we, I know that I can see. I'm looking through Discord right now, where we kind of toss some notes or ideas around and stuff like that. But yeah, we kind of mentioned dating back uh, November 13, 2018, stuff like that. Just kind of started bouncing around some ideas, and I think I. Had discovered the road, yeah. I discovered mm-hmm. the road, which was the uh, supplement written by Adam Ultraberg for Worldwide Wrestling, which had you know a lot of the life behind the scenes kind of stuff like that. And I just threw it to Micah and showed it to him, and that's the last I heard of it until he started putting together Badlands. It was definitely a, a driving point because I thought because I had so much fun with all the inner podcast wrestling stuff because I. When we first started, when I first joined with that, I didn't know what I was doing or how to play because I've never really played Power by the Apocalypse. I've done Fates, D&D, you know, all the other systems out there, but not so much with the Power by the Apocalypse. And so I made a just, this is my joke character. This is the guy I just want to play around with to get familiar with the system. And he became such a mainstay, <laughs> I feel, because of just going into that idea of wrestling. And I made him... And his uh, tag team partner, just a weird mesh of memorability. And I just, I can't get away from him because I love him so much. But when you showed me The Road and I was reading through it, I was like, man, what if we did like a territorial thing? And I started looking up the old territory maps for WWE's conquest of them and saw like, man, this could be really cool. Like if I really wanted to do it. And then it just. As we've progressed the campaign, I thought, well, why am I limiting myself here? What if I just broaden those horizons a bit? And that'll be explained later on as a bit of another tease. But that's when I went like, I know there's people who love wrestling in the groups I'm tied with. Let me just throw a wide net and see who wants to come in. And... I also thought of, you know, it could also be a nice little thing to add on to everyone's already illustrious uh, groups as just one of those things that people like 
for all those serious games, those very draining emotional games, <laughs> here's a fun little thing where it's zany. You can just go nutso with, and it's well, there's apparently a blank check to everything in this universe. So just go to ham. And yeah, it was, it has turned into something I didn't think it would because I spend so much lead up time to these matches and just going like, okay, I can make this really quick, make it simple. Or for right now, start to try and build for stuff later on that if people who go like, man, I wonder what this is about. Go back and look at other episodes. Like, Hey, they talked about this at this episode. Oh, they were setting this up all these years back, all these episodes back. Like, that's what I want people to do is to realize those plot hooks and things they might have forgotten about were already mentioned and then go back and re-listen to those episodes to either try and find them or piece together what I'm going to be doing for the game as far as some storylines go. But it's also making sure that I don't, like every GM or DM is supposed to do, not stifle anyone's creativity or their own story they want to do and let them really bring that forth and try to make sure that I incorporate it into the overall story of the game. And that's the, just the trick of any game you do. Cause it's always like, man, I came up with this great story. I have everything planned out. Hey, where are the PCs? Oh no. Oh no. I joke about that one. First, the first uh, introduction. And that was, that's the last bit I ever had input in on. And then everything else had been you, but I mean, I, I can remember us actually just sitting there kicking around, thinking that wouldn't it be kind of fun to have a bunch of wrestlers that were just people at a party that got into a fight and it was recorded on cell phones. Like I think it was kind of, you ever yeah. seen that movie, never back down. Oh yeah. And it, you know how they kind of use like social media, like the this fighter's career symbol like that. But I mean, we kicked around the idea you did, you did the introductory scene, uh, episode where we were at a party and then a fight breaks out, et cetera, et cetera. And then, Ever since then, I've had no idea where we're going. Like you've been, you've been steering it the whole way. I appreciate you going, taking me to places that I understand. <laughs> Huntington and Cincinnati, and were we in Dayton or was it Cleveland? I can't remember. Dayton. We haven't been to Cleveland. Yeah, we haven't been to Cleveland. But that that idea was basically just talking to everybody and saying, "Hey, where do you guys want us to start?" Because I wanted it to be in the states to start us with, and we all just kind of agreed Ohio. I think it was just because Greg had said it first and said, we're, we're in Ohio. So, and since I'm over here in the, in the Pacific Northwest, you guys are more in the Midwest area. So you know that a lot better. So it's me going on the Google going, oh, what do I look up? What do I do? Constantly going like, I don't know shoot about this, about this region of the States. I got to look this up. And the, you guys are just being so polite. Like, ah, oh, I didn't think you'd think of that. Me and the me just like yeah no problem I thought it'd be really cool then in my head <laughs> no the arc was there though right I didn't I didn't I didn't <laughs> no, waylay you that's with that. Kentucky that's <laughs> not us that's not us that's not us Look, I mean I, when I put things in certain spots I go like okay this is a logical map for the territory we're building for Badlands and then how we got st- you know a Christian Stego was like I didn't know that was there. I didn't find that in my research. When you made mention of it, I was Googling it right then and there and going like, oh, well, this is going to be a lot of fun because I stopped trying to guess what everyone wants to do in the games and just like, you know, have fun, whatever you come across, because it's this is the game where you just yes and don't say don't try and say no. Try and say yes and to everything, Mm -hmm. because if you do, players are just going to have fun. Everyone's going to enjoy it. and much like before, way back when we start in the episode, every person's match is their moment of the game. So it's them doing what they want and how we react to it. And so it's a little, that little microcosm of the story. So it's, it never hurts anyone else. If someone does something crazy or insane, it all helps build everyone up. Especially since this is a game, we really don't have to have top, mid, or or bottom card. Granted, we might probably have to have that because of the way the game just wrestling is. But it's never something that really feels impactful, especially right now, because it's just you guys out in the road. 
and having fun. So that's the big thing right now. Hey, Greg, why don't you lead us on this? Because I am kind of curious. Like, so you're playing through characters right now. Uh, Would you mind kind of going over that and the kind of what you were trying to accomplish with a particular character? Uh, Sure. So uh, I am playing two characters, as said. Uh, My main character is Ozeki. Come on. Why is Ozeki so awful? Uh, Ozeki, a.k.a. Omegatani Jimpei. Ozeki is a former sumo, hit kind of a ceiling in Japan with being a professional sumo, so he decided to come to the States to try a different career. Before you continue, just because I have to get it out there, you, sir, because you played you played Ozeki and made me need to know about sumo, I have been watching before everything's been going on in the world at the time of this podcast, so much sumo. <laughs> I have learned and have found sumo wrestlers that i am following now and going like my god i i started looking up backlogs of sumo matches Mm -hmm. just to understand how it works and i've had to look up so much information for stuff i want to do with ozeki and i love you for it greg thank you It, it i'd love too that you've chosen again whether this plays into it or not, you've chosen Ozeki because that is the second highest yep. rank. Yep. Where o- Yokozuna, for those familiar with that title from a WD match, is the champion, the top people on there, which of the year 2019, 2018, perhaps, they've had the most Yokozunas in history in professional sumo. Um, and of course, to educate any of our listeners, the wrestler Yokozuna, who wrestled for WWE, was neither an actual sumo wrestler, nor was he actually Japanese. Because again, we're Hawaiian. talking about Vincent K. McMahon. Yeah, he was Hawaiian, wasn't he? He yeah. was. He was, he, was, he was an islander. Which there are actually Hawaiian and actually um, full-bodied white American uh, sumo uh, done pretty well in Japan. Uh, most, though, that have become... As far as the foreigners are concerned, uh, the big one that I follow is Toshi Notion. He's sadly been bouncing back and forth between Ozeki and uh, some lower ranks due to his win-loss record. But he's always been my, as far as the Gaijin wrestlers go for sumo, my favorite. Just his look and appearance is just so striking to every other sumo yep. that I see. Exactly. And same I, thoughts. Yep. So, like, for me... I think the birth of Ozeki was in the sheet because a lot, you have different roles that each player character, quote, class, end quote, can define. So when uh, Micah had pitched this and I was looking through which stats I was taking, um, I was originally the high flyer for my inner podcast character, uh, Lionheart. So I wanted to try something different. And also, I was getting a taste of what Noah and Adam were doing. And I could tell they were kind of going for off the rails. <laughs> so I, I figured for the character I was going to end up playing, I figured I want to be um, the straight man in the group. Uh, there has to be a bit on my head, I apologize. Um, but I wanted to be the more like calm person in comparison to the zaniness that we were going to get out of reefer and the baron so uh the class i ended up choosing is the shoot fighter which is an actual term and that refers to somebody a wrestler who actually was originally in an actual combat sport or is at least trained in a combat sport so they're kind of crossover so brock lesnar is a legitimate shoot fighter and he's a legitimate shoot fighter because he can't control himself and so back to ozeki i started with the class of shoot fighter so i wanted to come up with something to work off of that concept i like trying to play as bigger people on occasion when i'm role-playing because i don't see a lot of that happening in a lot of role-playing games or in media where it's something other than a joke character so kind of being a sumo seemed to really make sense. And then trying to play off of that, being a legitimate athlete in something that is not perceived as legitimate, and then trying to portray it as such, I think is kind of what helped Miko Zeki. Uh, for the 
storyline in territories where people heightened characters and even outside of the ring have to be very careful about their portrayal and act really heightened. There's like a, something freeing in the shoot fighter of Ozeki can just be himself. Like in some ways he is heightened, especially around like fans or in them, but he doesn't have to be held. He doesn't have to hold himself to being someone different. He can just be Ozeki and uh, that creates a lot of freedom. It also creates a lot of drama too, because if he is himself at all times, that means anything and everything that is seen is him. That's the that was the big idea to cut in again with Badlands, since the idea is it's set in more of a territorial early seventies or late seventies, early eighties kind of mindset when people believed the characters they saw on TV were these people, not them portraying somebody. Everything and anything that they do in front of the fans or just the fans see is them. So that idea really makes Ozeki just have that openness to him that he can just walk around and be himself. But at the same time, too, he has to balance that visual of the media that he's in, wherein, like, you know, like we've in historical standings is you can't be fighting to the death against your most hated foe. And then 10 miles down the road, having a great pal dinner at a waffle house or something, because if fans come walking in, that's a problem. Right. The illusion is, and it's yep. kind of contrasted really heavily in my secondary character. Cause, uh, there was one episode I couldn't make. Uh, it's been a couple, but there was one specific episode I couldn't make after Ozeki won the championship. And, um, when I was able to come back in the next episode, Micah was like, okay, uh, we've got, the point of this set of episodes is that we're doing touring. So you've got a bunch of young wrestlers for that are with the main PCs. So here's a wrestler we came up with. Why don't you flesh him out and we can go from there and that'll be your PC with um, Reefer and the Baron. So I was just given Owen Hibbert. That was it. Completely blank slate from there. Yep. And the young one. Uh, yep. So I just kind of filled in the parts. And because he is a generic white guy, I can play with that a bit more. Um, I gave him a f- stupid voice and kind of did a contrast because he's his supposed gimmick is that he's a rocker trying to break through by uh, being a wrestler as well. But the thing is, he actually is talented in music, but has to play this part in order to get anywhere in the company so it's a major contrast from the character i normally play as and i can do a goofy voice and be kind of the goofy lunkhead and uh it's such a contrast from ozeki and it's a fun challenge whenever i have to play uh owen i was just about to ask what was the name of this character greg owen the zone hibbert which (laughs) being in wrestling and being in America, his actual name is Owain, but you can't expect <laughs> you can't expect average Joe fans to get the difference. So they <laughs> rebranded him as Owain. I mean, it's like WWE removing a person's last name. It's like uh, Otis Dozovich is just now Otis. Like we can't have last names. We can't. We we gotta shorten it. People people don't like last names in their in their wrestlers' things. We just gotta call them by their first name or moniker. But yeah, uh, Ozeki and Owen are kind of really down to earth characters, and that helps really contrast the heightened characters, such as oh, he's leading up to me. <laughs> hey, you... Adam. Uh, Hi, Adam. Hi, guys. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta keep us reined in, dude. <laughs> Otherwise, we're gonna go off. No, it's fine. I, I'm enjoying <laughs> listening to it. So, anyway, months and months and months, years might as well be ago. Um, Nathan was wanting to run a game of uh, base traders. I made a character named Reefer Sutherland, which is based on a there's a there's a metal band called Bong Ripper, and uh, <laughs> they're just completely instrumental, and it's like a doom metal thing. And I, I was going to use Reefer for that, but it didn't work. And like, obviously his power was, you know, he smoked weed. So it's kind of like Captain Chronic or whatever from Jay and Silent Bob kind of bullshit. But so when given an opportunity, I think what really inspired me on besides I had a name, but then I saw pictures of David Arquette wrestling. And I was like, you know what? That's what I want. I want somebody who started out doing something and now doing something totally different so almost like a shoot fighter but uh i kind of you know 
Do you know he's wrestling again? Oh God! Of course, I, David, Ar- David Arquette is actually training and is doing professional wrestling again on the independent circuit. I think it's cool, man. I think it's cool, and you know, I wanted I wanted to kind of incorporate some of that. So you know, somewhere between a doom met a pot themed metal band and David Arquette, I came up with Sutherland, which Reaper Sutherland is the name of their albums, I think, or song, can't remember. But anyway, the I just like having the freedom just to be goofball and stuff like that. And this has been my avenue. This is what I feel like I, I kind of excel at. I like making people laugh. And when, and when I can entertain you all, I feel like I'm doing a good job. And at the same time, I try not to make it. I always kind of pull back on what I could do. I'm kind of, I'll test the water with a couple of little zany things. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're fighting Christian Strom in, in Dayton, Ohio or something like that. But, you know, I've always kind of worked with that. Um, the big thing that I wanted with this, and to kind of rein it back in a tad bit, is I like the idea of an ex, uh, like college football player who was, or maybe I can't remember if it's college or pro, but it's someone who had a promising career. In between injuries and abuse, this was his fallback career. And you know, being someone who is, I'm sure, not a lot of people on the planet who can't say that. You know, the opioid opioid problem that has faced America or the world pretty much probably has uh, hasn't touched to some degree. And I wanted to explore that, uh, you know, the fun guy at a party. But when you leave, the party's still going on. So the guy's kind of washed out or messed up constantly all the time. And I wanted to play with that dynamic and family. You, I swear it's probably in two or three recordings like Reefer has a a wife and a child and him and his wife, his Facebook statuses is complicated, I guess you could say, but you know, somewhere along the lines, I'm, I'm wanting to use reefer to figure out what, how that ends kind of deal. Like personally, I'd love to see this turn into a situation where he um, managed to reconcile his demons and get back with his family and they live happily ever after. But I don't like the idea of definitely a member, uh, like a spouse or a potential romance partner, being someone that's like a trophy at the end of a, a race or something like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, as we as we go through Reefer's arc, I'm kind of kind of take a page out of uh, Caleb's playbook when he was actually playing Red Markets, and uh, I'm going to kind of lift the dice and the story narrate whether Reefer is able to reconcile his problems and get back with his wife and be a good father instead of being the goofball. And that's, I think the main thing I'm going to show with is the person is the life of the party, but they're destroying themselves for your entertainment. You know, Jesus died for your sins. I'm dying for your kind of thing. But yeah, I just kind of want to explore that the person who turns on for the spotlights, but they can't quite turn it off so to speak now i'm playing a secondary character and i went through my tablet and i don't have it saved on here but I, what was my other character's name like i've only played her twice oh you were doing cecilia one of the NPCs. yeah one of the npcs that i run and i'll talk about my those in, those characters uh briefly but i wanted to tip a little bit more into the horror meta that we don't cover of the story because you you mentioned facebook and everything there Remember that everything that we've done has to tie into the characters presented there. And Reefer's wife is, in essence, the Miss Elizabeth character. Mm-hmm. She is, despite everything that we have, or have established, that there is trouble there. There's like this and that. She and your son are treating you as if you were, as far as the crowds go when they talk to her, because everything's based out of the central point where Badlands is in Ohio. Anyone that sees her out and about knows that she's Reefer's wife and that they are happily married and that everything is going good. And we know that there are rocks in the relationship, like things are struggling. They're they're doing their best with money. But every fan that sees her and talks to her that you that we don't see and that I haven't brought up because that's a thing down the line for Reefer. They think everything's going just fine, that she's such a lucky person to have Reefer as a husband, and he must be so happy that you know, she's got his son and all that jazz there with her, and 
so on and so forth. You know, like they've got the perfect marriage. Everything's so good. He's such a star. He's, he loves her so much. But she knows that he's eaten through the kids' savings. He's spent so much money. He is an addict. You know, he may, we've established, yeah, he's on the recovery. But does she believe that? Like everything of their relationship, which we've only teased that, shows that there's so much trouble. And the, the, the little icing or cherry on top of that is the boy really thinks his dad's this amazing person who doesn't do the things, you know, that people tell or kind of say behind the backs in the quiet stuff. He mm-hmm. hears because he's there and people don't think he knows what they're talking about, but he just thinks his dad's the best in the world because here's his dad doing this crazy stuff all over the place that he's watching. Like what we know is you having a drug fit incident with uh Stego Jesus again, but your son thinks that you guy that you you you're doing that uh, as something to help your buddies out, and he's rationalizing it as only a kid can. Mm-hmm. And a couple years down the way, if we go that far with him, maybe he won't see it that way. But we'll see how far we go with this yeah. redemption arc mm-hmm. and how much it could influence things. Yeah. Now we've went over the characters. Now let's go over everybody else. And the man behind everybody else is you, Micah. So how about, how about I give you this? Um, I'd like to give you a framework to work within on this. So I would like you to kind of tell me who your favorite ones that you get to interact as with the storyline of the NPCs and kind of your, I don't know if necessarily your origin point or what are you trying to get across these character playing? Uh, for a lot of them, they're just, uh, to start out with, they're just one note characters with the way that the game is set up. You've got your the uh, play styles, your your card, your the way you're, you're basically who your character is uh, for their wrestling style. And that's kind of where they are. And they have a name. So I kind of mean go from there. But then I get the chance to kind of flesh them out and give them more story. Certain characters from where they have started have not become what they once were going to be. I think the most I've had fun with playing, uh, especially since I can let her go to multiple people. Well, basically having a person keep playing a class they like. So like Cecilia or Ronan Azteca have been so much fun because not only have I played them, but other people have played them and have had a good time. I hope playing them because they're different from their characters. Uh, right now I'm trying to set up stuff for the character Tor Balder, and I've talked to a few players in the group about some of his stuff going on, but much like everybody else tied into the game, he's got more stuff going on. And so now due to Cecilia Ronan and we mentioned you know, Tor was, oh, right. Uh, my original character, uh, Kevin, uh, God, he was originally just going to be my joke character, the kind of person I could have with there. But now he's tied in now more with Baron and has become tied in with his uh, established stable. So I didn't see that coming for him. That was just something that to kind of help out with the story arc of where I could see things going that we needed when I kind of influenced we need more we need more wrestlers for the show as it were with the boss and just saw you know what he really does seem more like the stable kind of guy and have the big following so that's my kind of thing and noah's been great about playing that with it but like i said all the characters are basically start as one note but then develop down the way and i really hope that i can make it worth that development and the payout that I'm hoping people will enjoy listening to, as well as you guys, uh, when I start dropping a few hints more for each character. And hopefully people will really enjoy some of the subtlety to that. I'm trying not to be too overt in certain things, but it's a bit of fun trying to do trying to bounce it all. <laughs> I'd imagine. <laughs> Awesome. It's been it's been a lot of fun, man. And I don't know. It's like you always have an answer for whatever we throw at you. So I think you're do, you're definitely doing something right there. That's from watching all the MXC I can in the past and just going like, man, let's just roll with this. Most MXC, most extreme, most challenge. extreme elimination, elimination challenge. 
Like <laughs> you want to you want to talk about zany. We'll, we'll talk about that afterwards. But fans of it who know that series or don't know it, just watch a couple of episodes and watch the people who take footage uh, from the actual game show that it's based off, and just watch how zany that is. And it feels much more like how do you react to the people you're seeing doing this shit? <laughs> and just you know what, go full bore with it. <laughs> awesome. Well, gentlemen, I definitely appreciate you all sitting down and this kind of shining a little bit of light behind our experiences with Badland Wrestling and WWW Worldwide Wrestling. Then, you know, it's, you know, definitely between Rope Point Exchange and Tech Dick, we, we've always had this sibling. It's not even a rivalry or anything like that, but there's like, it's, it's like a family. And mm-hmm. getting the opportunity to work with you, Greg, it's always been a pleasure. Yeah. Look, for, look forward to what else we can get into as time goes on. And Micah, it's, Look, man, it's been great. I appreciate you making a home for both of us to, to play out our wrestling. I almost said fantasy, but it gets kind of weird sounding. <laughs> of it, so I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> but you know what I mean. You, like I, when I sit down and play worldwide re- wrestling, I'm a kid. I'm that I'm that boy who got up at nine in, in the morning on a Saturday just so I could watch cartoons, get some breakfast, and get ready for you know. WWF to come on and stuff like that. So this is really for me. It's this experience has been a love letter to my childhood and the magic it was of seeing all those uh, great old timers in their prime. Back when we had all that, you know, everything's great. All these guys are just amazing. Oh, how time has just made us all more wise. And sometimes nostalgia is the best. You know, sometimes the best medicine. And then new horizons arrive and. Trying to go philosophical, you know, kind of like philosophical there, but no, definitely. It's definitely, I'm glad, man. I'm glad you're having that much fun. Gentlemen, why don't you all do me a solid real quick? Craig, where can we find you and Technical Difficulties? Uh, You can find Technical Difficulties wherever you load podcasts at Technical Podcast. We are also on Twitter at at TechDiffGPod. And our website online is www.technicaldifficultiespeak.com. Um, if you are more interested in me, you can some um, you can find me on Twitter at gjbennett3. Um, I also occasionally do streaming on Twitch at the Lost Twitch.tv slash the Lost Care. All one word. And how about yourself, Micah? Where can everybody find you in your creative endeavors? Well, before I would have said, I don't know. But now I can proudly say I actually have several monikers. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, GreyWalkerT. That's G-R-E-Y-W-A-L-K-E-R, capital T. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at the Grey Knight Lord, all one word. It's an E when the gray again. Uh, most of the time I do painting miniatures and talk about role-playing games in that genre, tabletop strategy games specifically, mostly on my Twitch channel at uh, twitch.tv slash TV, much like my standard name is being, becoming. And I try to stream as regularly as possible from 11 a.m. Keeping up, Keep up on Twitter uh, for updates if the schedule changes and days that I go by. But those are the places I'll be going. And as a bit of a tease, too, keep an eye on the Twitter as there may be some time down the line where there may be some Roll20 stuff coming into play with Badlands and possibly mm-hmm. more in the future. But that's a tease for later. I've had like three teases this whole time. Man, I'm on a... Ooh, I'm just a teasing machine today. Ooh. Well, that's an expression I wasn't quite expecting, so I'll, I'll go ahead. <laughs> and for those of you tuning in, obviously you can catch us, um, you know, wherever podcasts are. Uh, we are at www.realpointexchange.com, the website that I hold together with string and duct tape. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at RPEX, you know, RP Exchange, basically. And then uh, I'm on Facebook at uh, www.therealpointexchange.com. And finally, for those of you that would like to, you know, help keep the lights on, so to speak, uh, we also have a Patreon. We're patreon.com slash Exchange. And yeah, so thank you all for tuning in, checking us out, and, you know, check the show notes. I'll definitely be including the links so you can, if you haven't been listening to Badlands Wrestling, that would probably be a having a good time to start at that so without further ado i've been adam and uh this is greg and good night internet
We thank you so much for making this exchange with us, ladies and gentlemen, and excuse the technical difficulties. And remember, don't overthink that anime, and have a great evening. Bye. Uh. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Thank <laughs> you.